This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hey all, welcome back to the Real Life Pharmacology Podcast. I'm your host, pharmacist Eric Christensen. Thank you so much for listening today. I had a couple of questions from a couple of listeners. Uh, and I appreciated them reaching out. So they were looking for a podcast that I had already done. And I just want to say the best way to do that is go to reallifepharmacology.com, click on the podcast button, and you should see on the right-hand side, there is a search tab there. So for instance, the individual reached out and asked about bupropion if I had done that before. And indeed, I have all the podcast episodes are listed on the reallifepharmacology.com website. So go ahead, type in the drug name you want to see, and you can see if I've done a podcast on that medication or not. So I know some of the platforms may not show all the individual podcasts, so that's a good way uh, to check and see. Uh, Another simple way to do it is uh, type in the drug you're thinking about, that you want to listen to and then uh, in Google and then type in real life pharmacology podcast after that and it'll pull it in uh, if I've done a, a podcast on that. So um, with that said, thank you for the suggestions about uh, which drugs to do next, that those type of things. You can do that uh, mededucation101 at gmail.com. And of course, while you're at reallifepharmacology.com, uh, go sign up, subscribe for the free 31-page PDF on the top 200 drugs. Great little study guide, quick refresher, and some of the most important clinical pearls on the top 200 drugs. And lastly, uh, Meded 101 Guide to Nursing Pharmacology is available on Amazon. It's an over 200-page book, uh, tremendous value. I've got it priced really, really low, uh, really competitively. I, I, that book has taken me probably two years to make, uh, so there's a ton of good content in there. Um, great refresher uh, for anyone or a great learning tool uh, for anyone who's really starting to learn and get into pharmacology, whether you're a pharmacy student, nursing student, uh, med student, uh, that is a great uh, introductory book where you can definitely learn a lot about pharmacology and it's categorized, uh, separated out based upon uh, disease state and disease system as most people learn pharmacology uh, that way. Most colleges and things like that teach it. So again, uh, check out MedEd 101 Guide to Nursing Pharmacology if you're just uh, learning pharmacology. Great resource there on Amazon. All right, that's enough for announcements today. Let's get into the drug of the day, and that is bisoprolol. Brand name of this medication is Zebeta, Z-E-B-E-T-A. Uh, this is a beta blocker. Uh, mechanistically blocks beta-1 receptors. Remember, beta-1 receptors are on the heart. You have one heart, and beta-2 receptors are on the lungs. You have two uh, lungs. So this is primarily beta-1 selective. Uh, However, if we 
escalate doses and generally get above uh, 20 milligram doses for bisoprolol, uh, that selectivity goes away. However, in clinical practice, you know, it's very, very seldom that I see um, dosages above 10 even. So that's that's usually uh, kind of the, the standard higher dose. Uh, occasionally, uh, I will see 20 milligram dosages as well. Uh, and that is uh, the generally recognized maximum is 20 milligrams there. So use. Uh, it is a beta blocker. Uh, angina, atrial fibrillation, kind of bringing that heart rate down, of course. Uh, heart failure with reduced ejection fraction. Um Hypertension, another possible indication there. Uh, I want to mention with hypertension, uh, beta blockers just for hypertension are definitely not a first-line agent. Now, if you've got somebody with atrial fibrillation or something, angina and hypertension, then that might be a situation uh, where we utilize the duality or the dual benefit of a, a beta blocker like bisoprolol. Uh, elimination, I wanted to mention that. So this drug is kind of partially eliminated by metabolic processes, breaking down by the liver, uh, in CYP enzymes. Uh, so those primary CYP enzymes are CYP2D6, CYP3A4, uh, and it also uh, eliminated by the kidney as unchanged drugs. So that's kind of a half-and-half half process. So what that means as far as, you know, dosing and drug interactions, so dosing uh, based upon renal function isn't that huge of a deal. However, if you get to really low renal function, that drug can accumulate or that can be a bigger risk. Uh, same thing with uh, hepatic drug interactions. So 3A4, 2D6, uh, it takes some pr pretty significant um, blockade of those enzymes to really affect it much. So having multiple pathways for the drug to essentially be act deactivated and, and stop its effects, uh, that makes it kind of resistant um, to a lot of issues. If something goes haywire with renal function, you know, we've still got the pathway of, of breaking it down through the liver and SIP enzymes. So um, that can be an, an advantage, but um, Definitely something to, to think about as we get uh, maybe to higher dosages and or uh, in the case of the kidney getting to really low renal function, you know, less than uh, 20 mils per, per minute there. All right, let's talk about those adverse effects. So first and foremost, um, I always think about the um, clinical effects that this drug is going to have. So using it in atrial fibrillation, we're bringing down the pulse. Using it in hypertension, we're bringing down blood pressure. Obviously, we can bring it down too much. So we can cause bradycardia. We can cause hypotension. Uh, other potential issues. So recalling that it's a beta blocker. As doses escalate, we could lose a little selectivity. And we could worsen the risk for uh, bronchospasm, worsening asthma. Um, and potentially, as I'll mention in interactions, um, opposing beneficial effects of uh, beta-2 agonists. Uh, fatigue, lethargy, uh, sexual dysfunction, masking hypoglycemia in patients, you know, taking insulin or taking sulfonylureas, that's a, a risk that can potentially happen there. Uh, and then, of course, we want to avoid abrupt 
discontinuation of beta blockers in general, but bisphoprolol uh, certainly falls in that category as well. And mechanistically, how that works is when you give beta blockers, the body tries to compensate by producing um, and upregulating more receptors, more beta receptors, to try to overcome that beta blocking response. So when you pull that drug away abruptly, all those beta receptors are still there. And so that abrupt removal of the drug causes this excessive sympathetic activation and obviously can cause increased heart rate, increased pulse, uh, and things like that. So uh, definitely, unless there's a very, very severe uh, adverse effect that the drug needs to, to be stopped right now, um, we always want to try to taper down and off these medications uh, if we're going to uh, stop them. Uh, contraindications I wanted to mention, so obviously it makes sense if, if patients are already bradycardic, um, you know, pulse in the, the mid to low 50s or lower, that, that's a situation where we're obviously going to uh, stop or, excuse me, not use this medication. Um, and if that pulse gets too low, we're going to have to potentially um, back off on dosages or potentially stop it. Other contraindications, cardiogenic shock, uh, and then greater than first degree heart block as well. From a pharmacokinetic standpoint, I mentioned that kind of half and half renal uh, ex excreted through the urine um, as unchanged drug. And then, you know, potentially half of the drug is also uh, deactivated by CYP enzymes. And those, you know, primary enzymes are CYP2D6 and CYP3A4. But having that kind of half and half, how the drug uh, is eliminated and removed, uh, drug interactions via CYP enzymes aren't a crazy, uh, crazy issue generally. All right, let's take a quick break from our sponsor and we'll wrap up with drug interactions. If you're in the market for pharmacist board certification study material like BCPS, ambulatory care, or if you're a pharmacy student looking for NAPLEX content, uh, get a growing list of resources at meded101.com slash store, S-T-O-R-E. Also, if you're a nurse, med student, pharmacy student, you're just picking up pharmacology, uh, no-brainer to go check out the Meded 101 Guide to Nursing Pharmacology. Great resource laid out by uh, Disease State and uh, awesome, awesome uh, resource as far as just providing you with some of the most important clinical pearls that you're going to need to know for your pharmacology exams and ultimately board exams as you try to become a licensed healthcare professional. So uh, go check that out at meded101.com slash store, S-T-O-R-E. Also, if you're a healthcare professional working out in the field, I've got books on uh, case studies, clinical pearls, drug interactions, uh, some really highly rated books that people have really found helpful in uh, helping them learn medication management uh, and learn some of the clinical quirks, uh, some of the things that actually happen out in real life. So again, all those resources, uh, go support the sponsor, meded101.com slash store, S-T-O-R-E. All right, wrapping up with drug interactions. So first, I think about low pulse. So drugs that can have an additive effect there. Uh, most commonly used agent uh, in my geriatric patient population, donepazil. 
uh, rivastigmine, so those are the acetylcholinesterase inhibitors, uh, those can have additive effects on causing bradycardia. Dropping blood pressure, so certainly you got to think about any antihypertensive medication, uh, ACE inhibitors, thiazide diuretics, and so on and so forth. Uh, other drugs, Cinemet, uh, PDE5 inhibitors, these can lower blood pressure as well. And then beta-2 agonist uh, blunting effects. So remembering some of the long-acting beta agonists, some of the short-acting beta agonists, um, your albuterol, salmeterol, and, and so on and so forth. Uh, using a beta blocker like bisoprolol can blunt the effects. And that is a dose-dependent effect. So the higher the dose, uh, the more and more likely you are to um, increase that risk of blunting the effects from your uh, beta agonist used for respiratory conditions. Stimulants, so we can have kind of opposing effects there. So using a drug like methylphenidate, for example, uh, methylphenidate can increase pulse, increase blood pressure, cause tachycardia, uh, things like that. So obviously that's going to have an opposing effect to what we're trying to do uh, with the the beta blocker there. Uh, Other drugs that can uh, potentially raise blood pressure and blunt the effects of uh, bisoprolol. Um, So I think of something like Sudafed, Sudofedrin, that can raise blood pressure. Uh, Drugs like NSAIDs can raise blood pressure as well. So definitely think about these agents as we're um, using medications to potentially lower blood pressure. And then lastly, I wanted to mention sulfonylurea is insulin. Uh, So beta blockers like bisoprolol can blunt the signs and symptoms of hypoglycemia. Uh, Not a crazy huge thing that I've seen in clinical practice, but if you know a patient who's had multiple episodes of hypoglycemia, they don't seem to be aware of of what's going on with that hypoglycemia or unique situations. Just remember that that beta blocker um, could potentially blunt some of the signs and symptoms of hypoglycemia. All right, well, that's going to wrap up the podcast for today. If you enjoyed this episode, found it helpful, uh, definitely go leave us a review on it on iTunes or wherever you're listening. I greatly appreciate that. Share us with friends, colleagues. Uh, share the reallifepharmacology.com link. And also, if you want access to a lot of those other ones and want to search for specific uh, podcast episodes, going to reallifepharmacology.com, click on the podcast tab and uh, search on the right-hand side. It's probably the easiest way uh, to find an episode there. I also do, if you scroll down further there, um, at reallifepharmacology.com, uh, you should see on the right-hand side uh categorizations of drugs, so cardiovascular, musculoskeletal, so on and so forth. Uh, So you can see uh, if you're studying for a specific section um, in pharmacology and you're preparing for an exam, for example, um, you can see that on the right-hand side and you can uh, click on that and it'll pull up all the podcasts from that respective uh, section. So definitely uh, take advantage of that as you're uh, preparing. And then, of course, uh, check out that Meded 101 Guide to Nursing Pharmacology, brand new book uh, I've put out here in the last few months, um, getting some good reviews and, and ratings on it. I think uh, people are finding it really, really helpful uh, in preparing them uh, throughout their pharmacology classes in school. All right, I'm going to wrap it up for today. If you want to track me down, Eric Christensen, LinkedIn. 
otherwise, you can email me at mededucation101 at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great rest of your day. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.